This episode is brought to you by the hilarious novel FIFO by Aaron Weston, available on Aaron Weston Author Instagram account. Alright, enjoy the show. Hi everyone and welcome to the Aaron White Show and I'm your host, Aaron. Today we have a fantastic guest, Stacey Painter. Stacey is a FIFO mum with four kids, an official with Motorsport Australia and a former autocross racer. Welcome to the show, Stacey. Hey, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're most welcome. Hey, what is an autocross racer? Uh, so it gives it away a little bit in the title. The auto is obviously car, race is obviously a racer. So autocross is kind of like the babysitter of rally racing, um, except we don't have navigators um, in our passenger seat. Um, we have tracks that are between like to specs, so between 400 and 4,000 metres in length. And there are no straights in that track longer than 200 metres. So we've got lots of tight cornering, big sweepers, that kind of thing. Um, We are governed by Motorsport Australia. So they obviously set our rules and set our standards. um, Also cover our insurance, which is really helpful should we need it. Um, But our, well, my home track in Swan Hill in Victoria is a twin track. So that's two tracks that are both of about 2Ks in length, but they consist of very different cornering type patterns in those tracks. Yep, so you're not racing around the bush. These are like motocross tracks, so all open. You can, can you view the whole track from where you're sitting in the stand? Yeah, so um, some of the tracks you go to, you are able to view the whole track from like a spectator area. Um, there's other tracks that have a lot of like, hills and dips and trees and stuff like that so you can't necessarily always see the track from one spectator mound um but yeah we are like an official event it's it's yeah definitely more than just bush bashing (laughs) nice sweet oh have you got any big have you had any big crashes or broken bones from this or anything like that um so luckily we like with our governance we are pretty safe with our racing um i did have one a fairly major incident I was training I will call it um, not on the track so out at the farm that I lived on with my parents when I was much younger and rolled our race car Um, obviously didn't have my safety gear on and didn't even have my seatbelt my harnesses on Um, just grateful I had a cage like a roll cage in there so I only came away with a bump on the head and a little cut on my butt because some glass had got underneath me from my windscreen when I was rolling and when I landed, yeah, the glass got me. So <laughs> that's the most serious event I've had happen. Oh, you're pretty lucky there. What? How did you get into that, the, into the auto racing? Yeah, so our neighbours had a vehicle. Um, these neighbours have been best friends with my parents for a very long time. Um, and some other uh, best friends, mum and dad's had a car as well. Um, so we went out and had a try. I think within about a week, Dad had brought a car home for us kids to have a race of, and Dad, Dad used to race as well, and Mum would get in the hot seat from time to time. Um, yeah, so that was that first car that I uh, massacred during training. Um, then after that, Mum and Dad, um, still as a young teenager, Mum still bank of Mum and Dad sponsoring us. Um, purchased a Skyline for us and we raced that for 12 years and then, uh, yeah, partially sponsored a Lancer, which is the car that we've still got now to race. Is it pretty expensive for them to sponsor? Like, are you changing out the engines quite regularly or not so much? Um, 
So you can do it pretty budget friendly or you can do it not so budget friendly. So um, a lot of the cars, probably half of the cars that we have on the track um, could basically drive back out onto the road sort of thing. Um, you don't have to have the cages. You don't have to have harnesses. You can just have your regular seatbelt. Um, so long as you've got, you know, your bonnet pins that work, your pre-tensioning seatbelt, um, you've got to have a fire extinguisher installed, obviously your brakes have got to be good, your steering's got to be good, suspension, all that kind of stuff. Um, but then we do race against people that come along um, and they have like the whole kit and caboodle. They've either purchased a next rally car or they are a rally racer and they just want a bit of extra track time to test and tune or whatever. Um, there are people that swap out their tyres, bring different sets depending on the condition of the weather, like, you know, the supercars do and stuff like that. Or you can just race your road tyres or you can just have one set of rally tyres or whatever. So um, it can be as cheap as you want it to be or it can be, yeah, fairly expensive. Is it just a um, Australia versus Australia thing or is it like a state thing or is it worldwide uh, so we have had our local track in Swan Hill um, and we would often get visiting drivers from like Daniloquin. Um, we'd have some from Mount Gambia from time to time, Ballarat, Melbourne, Shepparton, uh, Albury, I think, um, Gippsland, like all over the state. Um, and that was part of our uh, Victorian Championship autocross series. So that was obviously state type stuff. Yeah. Um, and then there's autocross clubs um, all over Australia. So there's one not too far from where I am now um, that races, I think they only do about five meets a year though, whereas we used to race every month unless there was like a total fire ban. Yeah. Do you want to get back into it? I am so desperate to get back in the hot seat. <laughs> um, it's been a while since I raced um, just through moving away and um, pursuing, like having to make choices between which hobby I want to pursue since I've, since I've relocated. Um, but I was pretty happy after I had my last baby. I, my first race back in the hot seat, I'd had 12 months off racing when I had her. And um, my first lap was a sub 99, which like I was pretty stoked with that time for a first race after 12 months. So yeah. What's that? Is that under 99 minutes to complete the course? Well, what's sub 99? Uh, yeah, sorry. So that's under 99 seconds to complete oh, the okay. course. Yeah. Um, so back when I first hit my um, sub 99, it was a big deal. Like um, only the all wheel drives would get that or the super modified vehicles. Um, we didn't often do that, like in a little front wheel drive. There were a few people before me, obviously, but. Um, it was a pretty exciting thing and now the track's getting quicker. They've made modifications to the track. Um, in the last 12 months, there's been plenty of sub-99. So it's probably not as exciting as what it used to be, but still pretty cool to get down into two figures. Yeah, no, it's pretty cool. Have you tried that um, super motard, like the dirt bikes for those road wheels and stuff? I reckon that looks sick, hey? Oh, no, I haven't tried it. I have heard of it, though. I reckon it would be interesting. I had a couple of cracks at motocross and um, like I've never ridden a dirt bike on a, you know, that kind of track before. And 
I'm a very competitive person. So I walked away after only a couple of practice, like, you know, practice meets um, because I was just too busted up. I, yeah, a couple of chipped bones and bruises and, <laughs> yeah, I had to get the cage back around me really. Oh, yeah, it's definitely a lot more dangerous just on the two wheels as opposed to, as you just said, in the cage. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so yeah. are you currently an official with Motorsport Australia or is that something you used to do? Yeah, no, that's still still something I do. Um, so I qualified as a club chief and a steward um, as well as a bronze scrutineer. Um, so just to give you an idea of what those roles entail, so... The club chief and steward is um, ensuring that your club is meeting like the governance uh, standards and things like that. Um, your overall safety of your race meets, your driver's briefings, if people have any issues, they come to you, it's people management sort of thing. Um, it's basically overseeing like the entire event, um, like you're at the top of the pyramid. And there's a few people within the club that do that. Um, and they're all very amazing to work with. and um, we're all quite interchangeable with each other, so um, that it makes the job much easier um, when it can, you know, have difficult parts to it. The bronze scrutineer part of it um, is probably the one I like more. So scrutineering is basically, in a nutshell, making sure your vehicles and your drivers are safe to be on the track. Um, and that's not just at, like, autocross level. So... Um, Recently, I went to the Bathurst 12-hour. You might have seen that on TV at the end of January. Um, and so my job there consisted of making sure the drivers and all that crew had the correct apparel, um, making sure the vehicles were safe and nothing had been tampered with in between races and checks and stuff like that. Um, and then on race day, during the 12-hour, um, I was allocated with another lady to five vehicles and again that was just making sure no one was breaching any rules in the garages um making sure that yeah everyone had their right clothes on and their right apparel making sure that um driver changes were happening and stuff like that is there much tampering and breaches and stuff going on or no so um well, i didn't have to do any uh major breaches or anything like that usually especially with the really professional teams. So I was allocated to Audi Customer Motorsport. Uh, they have got so many um, levels of management in there that just a breach for that sort of team would be uh, just about unheard of um, because like penalties, having to drive through pit lane or adding time to your, to your driver's races, like is just not something you want. Yeah. So yeah, you find that most teams are fairly onto it. So you got Ford, Holden. So it's all the top level guys doing this race. I, I, I didn't ever watch the race. I don't really follow it. <laughs> That's okay. Um, so the 12 hour is more your, um, oh, I don't know what you'd call them, but like, you know, your Audis, your Lamborghinis, there was Ferraris, Bentleys, oh, wow. BMWs. There was a couple of Mustangs. Um, it's not actually V8 supercars. Yeah. Um, so that was the 12 hour. But then they had the support classes, which did have, um, some of you know your Holdens and your Fords and um, like your sedans and stuff like that um, in it as well as your touring cars so um, it's a nice variety it's probably I'm looking forward to um, the Bathurst 1000 for my first time scrutineering this year um, and apparently it is a lot more like hectic the 12 hours like 
much more chill. So I'm excited for that. That's cool. So is this, are they racing on a big track or is it like on public roads that are like um, barricaded off or whatever? Yeah, so Bathurst is open public roads. Uh, there are people that live around the track. Um, Grant Daniel lives not too far from the track. Uh, that was pretty cool meeting him. Um, but yeah, so it is open public roads. They do have, um, not during the 12 hour, but during the practice days on Friday and Saturday, they do have allocated time over lunchtime that uh, the people that do live up there can get in and out of their houses because when the track's closed for racing, the track is closed for racing. Like the people that live there cannot get in and out of their houses or, you know, out of their properties. So um, they do have to allow for that, of course. And then the track's open overnight or partially open so the you know, the locals can get in and out as well. Yeah, totally fair enough. Especially, you don't really want to be driving out your front yard and get hit by a car. That's exactly right. Not at 300 k's now. <laughs> <laughs> didn't even see it coming. Hey, you said you yeah. relocated. Why, why did you relocate? Um, so we come from regional Victoria, um, where we have always lived, my partner and I. Uh, but he has been doing FIFO work for the past oh, nearly three years now. Yep. Um, and so it would take him a three and a half hour drive, then a two and a half hour flight, then a two hour bus ride all the day before he'd start work and then the same to go home. Um, I was on maternity leave from my job and we just had a few few issues going on back in our hometown and we thought, bugger it, we'll, we'll move, we'll give it a go for six or 12 months. And yeah, so now we're just up outside Toowoomba. Um, it's a 20 minute drive to take him to work now and then he flies with his company to wherever he needs to be. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. What, what does he do? Uh, so he's a boilermaker by trade, but he works in the gas industry for a company that does gas well servicing. Oh, okay. So yeah. is that on the forest or that's on the land or what's that? Uh, yeah, so it's um, onshore um, in the gas wells. So I don't know a great deal too much more than that. He's tried to explain it to me, but I think unless you see something like what he's trying to explain firsthand, then it would all fall into place. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I started writing kids' books because basically I'll be telling my kids what I like. I drive a big truck and these are the different machines and you have to go into Google and try to Google it and all that type of stuff. And the same yeah. thing, my wife does, she, she'll just be smiling and agreeing, going, oh, yeah, you get loaded by a shovel. Like, what the hell does that mean? So that's why I started doing yeah. books to be able to show people yeah. like basically what your mum and dad do and stuff like that. So I got, I went and took photos of all the different machines that we use and stuff like that, put it into a book. And boom, that's what started that. Um, how are you finding yeah. being in the new area? Has it been hard to make friends? Have you made other FIFO mum friends and stuff? Or how's that been for you? Um, well, the move in general um, has been like bittersweet. So um, my eldest two children stayed behind in Swan Hill. Um, that is a whole other story. Um, but the opportunities that have arisen from being up here, I have met a few other um, FIFO wives. Um, I probably I probably keep to myself more than going to see people, which is probably not necessarily all that good, but um, we've managed to fit in really well. Like we live in a beautiful little community town of about 1,500 people, um, which is nice that when I pop into, you know, up to the shop or into the pub for tea or whatever, 
um, it's nice to see familiar faces, but then I can go into Toowoomba and just know nobody. Like we do have a few family and stuff up here, um, like extended family, but they are, you know, on the outers as well of Toowoomba. So it's not like I would bump into them or anything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like this. Um, oh, sorry, you keep going. Oh, it's just nice to have that bit of like um, anonymity. Is that the word you use? <laughs> Is that when people like, don't know you? Nobody. Yeah, like you're just anonymous. Like nobody knows yeah. you. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you're saying. It's in get up to dodge stuff and nobody dubs you in. No, I'm joking. I actually like the small country feel type thing. I grew up in Dwelling Up, so we had like 363 people or something like that. So you used to walking down the street saying g'day to everyone. And then I moved to Fremantle. And then, yeah, because you don't know nobody there, you're walking down the street and you're saying hi to people and they're looking at you as if you're, you're a weirdo. So it's like, oh, oh right. my God. My children do that. My little girls do that. Like my <laughs> youngest, she'll just wave and say hello to anyone. And it's it's really good, I think. Um, obviously you still have to teach them stranger danger, but you can see someone walking the other way and they're obviously having a bad day or they're just not happy. And this little girl who's nearly two waves and says hello or yeah. blows him a kiss or whatever. And you just see their face light up and I, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, so, that's nice. That's that. so innocent at that age. Yeah. 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 My son, my son's, well, I've got two, I've got a seven year old and three year old. My three year old does exactly the same thing. It's like, hello. Yeah. You're like, don't say hi to that person, but whatever. As he, as he said, like, it makes their day anyway. Yeah, yeah. Once they get that understanding of learning about stranger danger, obviously we'll instill that in them. But at the moment, while they're still holding my hand or sitting in the pram, they yeah. can, um, yeah, bring a smile to other people. Yeah, so it's safe then. Hey, so what are you studying now? Are you at uni right now while I'm talking to you? talking to you yeah I had to find a quiet room I'm a fresh uni student in week two um I am studying engineering um at USQ so that was another another great opportunity from relocating is like the amount of universities that there are around here um so yeah got my fingers into agricultural engineering is actually what I'm majoring in um, okay. I thought you would have done like, I don't know, motorsport or something, engineering, if that's the thing. Um, yeah, so agriculture is what I signed up for. Um, that's, I don't know, growing up on a farm, that kind of just was where my passion has lied and I've done a bit of study in agronomy and stuff like that before. Um, but the further I'm reading into like my textbooks and stuff, I'm starting to get really interested in mining engineering. Um, my brother has a master's in mining engineering, so chatting with him about it as well. Um, but then, like you said, the car, the motorsport aspect of it, when I was in uh, Audi's garage and um, when I had other duties to do in other garages as well, just watching like all the race team management and stuff with their engineers, like watching, you know, the fuel consumption for this 10 metres of area that's on, you know, that the road is on whatever angle it is and how much fuel it's using and how can we lessen that and go faster. And just like all the science behind that was just absolutely riveting. Like I would have spent as much time on my breaks watching those engineers as what I was working, I reckon. Well, it sounds like you got a bit of a passion there as opposed to, 
I know you said you grew up in the country, but it kind of sounds <laughs> like you're leaning more towards the Audi, more towards the, um, doing your engineering yep. and the motorsport thing. You reckon you'll transi- yeah. transition that way or what? Yeah, it's quite possible. I've picked all my subjects so that I'm doing all of my core units this year. So basically, like I had to pick a major when I enrolled, but um, at the end, I've really got until the end of the year to decide because all of the core units in the first year um, travel across the three different disciplines that I am interested in. So um, there's definitely room for change there. And it really depends where where I can get some work placement as well because you have to do like however many hours it is. Um, you know, if I could get into a race team, if I could get into uh, even just like, like auto electrical or um, just an automotive place, like that would still be really interesting. Um, someone that does like tuning of engines and things like that would be very, very interesting to be a part of. You wouldn't think it'd be that hard to find somebody in that can tune a car and all that type of stuff. Do you reckon, especially with your all your previous knowledge, do you reckon you could hit up Audi or hit up the local auto tune people? Or who do you reckon? Oh, you could hit with up for the, that? Yeah, with the contacts that I've been able to make through um, my uh, like Motorsport Australia events and stuff that I've done, um, it is quite possible. I I don't think I could get into Audi Motorsport as such. Yeah. Um, but I've made enough contacts, I think, that I would be able to get somewhere in the industry to do the work placement. Um, of course, that doesn't necessarily lead you onto a job, um, but it, it does look good on your resume as well as, you know, improving your your knowledge and your skill set. So, yeah. Oh, totally. Hey, are you into many hobbies, you and your kids? Like, do you guys have to travel pretty far? Like where you're located now? Yeah, so um, total opposite to motorsport. Lead foot to leotards is what I like to say. So I also do calisthenics. Um, My two sons did it for a little while back in Swan Hill and our daughter Geordie does it. Um, So I, well, the girls and I, um, when my partner's at work, travel to Brisbane twice a week for training. So on Tuesday nights, I have training with my team of, I think we've got about 18 or 20 of us in our team. Um, And then on Saturday mornings, I have my solo training, which is on my own with my coach. Um, So I'll compete on my own. And then my daughter, Geordie, has her her team training, which is called Tiny's for a couple of hours. So yeah, it's a big hike. There's, um, There's no calisthenics clubs in Toowoomba, which is like I was pretty devastated there's 100 clubs in Victoria and Victoria is tiny and then you come to Queensland there's an 11 clubs in the entire state so it's not not as big up here as what it was in Victoria so that's why we have to travel if we want to do it so and how long does it take you to travel there uh it's about a four-hour round trip from where we are because we're just that little bit out of Toowoomba so um it's a fair bit of dedication um, but in saying that, I spent the last 26 years in the one club in Victoria, like in Swan Hill. Yeah. And um, I felt like as a coach, because I coach as well, as a coach and performer, I started to stale because I just didn't have the experience or um, I was very lucky to have one coach alongside me for the last couple of years who's been an incredible mentor. And I did feel that I grew um, as a performer and as a coach working alongside her. 
Um, but other than that, yeah, we just, we just didn't really have the opportunities. Um, but now that like we have the opportunity here, even though like it's a huge time and financial and emotional and physical commitment to be doing the traveling. Um, I just think while my body is still able to do it, why not? Like you've got to yeah, do what you can really. I totally agree with you. What is calisthenics? I totally missed that, didn't I? Um, <laughs> so so the, it, calisthenics is a type of dance. So um, deriving from the Greek terms kalos meaning beauty and senos meaning strength. And so the calisthenics that we do is uniquely Australian. Um, it is a combination of jazz, classical, contemporary, acro, um, rhythmic gymnastics, singing, marching, just performing, just all round. So uh, each, each team does six items um, consisting of like all of those different disciplines I just rattled off. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you'll go to competitions. There are recreational clubs as well that don't compete, but the club that I'm with now and the club that I was with previously um, are competitive. So then we compete against other teams. Um, our coaches or as a coach, we have to um, come up with the choreography. Um, for my age group, it is three to four minutes each dance goes for, which doesn't sound long, but when you're coordinating you know, anywhere between 10 and 20 people of different abilities and you're trying to show the adjudicator the best of the abilities within your team, um, it can prove quite difficult. Um, The coach that I have now um, and her, so the coach I have now and my solo coach both co-own our club and just have such extensive experience, like, yeah, I'm just learning. I'm miles behind these girls because, like in my team, because I haven't had the exposure that they have. Um, but I am just learning so much. And like I messaged my partner last night and I said, there's so many times that I left class last year in tears because I was just so overwhelmed and so burnt out. And I left class last night in tears because I was so overwhelmed with happiness and gratefulness and just the incredible opportunity like that this club is for me. So, yeah. Well, that is so good. This shows that you want to, you need to be surrounded by people like the next level or two up. Otherwise you're not going to grow. You're just going to stagnate and not go anywhere in life. Aren't you? That's exactly right. And I think you can, I think you can put that to anything in your life. Um, like, yeah. So calisthenics, obviously I'm surrounded by people that are significantly better than me. And they're not going to, this team of 20 people isn't going to drop themselves to my level. I have to rise up to theirs, which is, yeah, I'm training so hard to do. And even like back on the racetrack, um, there were so few females racing um, and females were put in a class of their own, which I never, I never really liked. Like without sounding conceited, I used to win a lot of trophies at club level because there were no females racing. So I didn't actually earn my trophy. It didn't mean anything. Whereas I would try and, even though you're only racing the clock and then times are accumulated with your class or, you know, like put into a spreadsheet with your class, I would try and line myself up to someone who I knew was just slightly quicker than me because no one wants to get flogged. So I wouldn't line up next to, you know, the all-wheel drives and stuff. But I would pick someone, a driver that I knew was just quicker than me 
and I would use that as my momentum to, you know, push myself a little bit harder to rise up, level up, really. You just made a pretty fantastic point. So this one's for the audience, if you're listening to what she just said. Basically, yes, you can find a mentor, find someone that um, you want to be like, but if they're so much above you, you're not really going to get that straight away. But if you find someone just that little bit better than you that you can rise up to, you can make those little improvements to get there, and then you can find the next person who's just a little bit better than you rise up to that person. Before you know it, you just keep stacking these rises, and then you are where you want to be. So that's actually a really smart idea what you just said. I was thought that's exactly and- the way you worded it. Yeah, that's all these little increments of bettering yourself by rising up. Yeah, you'll get there eventually. Yeah, no, that's probably awesome. Um, what else have you yeah. done? Oh, the Queen's Batten relay. What's the go with that? Oh, I had a teary moment about that the other day too. It <laughs> popped up in my um, popped up in my memories that it was two years ago. So um, I had the absolute privilege of not only carrying the Queen's Batten in the relay, but I actually got to carry it for two legs because some guy pulled out like hours before and they're like oh would you like to carry it for a second stint I was like really like <laughs> okay <laughs> I mean a leg was only 200 meters anyway so I only did 400 meters but whatever yep. um yeah so I I was actually nominated um they weren't when they were looking for nominations they weren't necessarily looking for um you know like your Kathy Freeman and your Ian Thorpe and stuff I don't even know any current relevant sports stars but those two stand out to me still um they were looking for people that made a difference in their community and they didn't need to necessarily be sports stars not that I'm a sports star they didn't need to be sporting involved um they just had to be someone that had made a difference um and so my nomination was for um, my contribution to women in motorsport in the local area um so as I said before like there were quite a few years when I was the only female racer um or sometimes my mum would jump in the hot seat and have a race. Um, and so I worked really hard to try and, like to start with, I was just roping in the wives or the mums of our other races, just convincing them, just get a day licence, just borrow the club car, just jump in, I'll sit with you. You've got this, don't even worry about who's lined up next to you. Um, and so there are still a few ladies Um, that was still racing when I moved, when I left town, um, that had been dragged in like that. And now, you know, they're not far behind me at all, Um, which is like, it's just so good to see. And even one of our junior races, um, Carly, I believe last year she won the junior uh, states, like junior state titles. So, her brother and father have both raced and um, her mother has uh, made a significant contribution to the club as well, not through racing, but, you know, support staff and that. Um, And so, like, it's just been incredible to watch um, the, like, the ladies' class and even the juniors, the females and the juniors grow. Um, I used to love to take the time to invite the girls, like the younger ones in particular, um, into my passenger seat. Sometimes getting in with a male can be intimidating um, for some females. I didn't, 
didn't bother me because they were quicker than me. So I jumped in with them and picked their lines and all of a sudden I was getting faster. Um, but that was the idea, just to, just to get them in. Um, and then I would get in their passenger seat and have them, you know, show me their lines and I would suggest maybe hold on to that gear a little bit longer or let's take that one a little bit closer, that corner or go out wider or don't hit the brakes yet. Give it, give it a minute more, you know, a couple of seconds more, you'll be fine. And just, I just really loved um, watching these girls develop from having to be talked into getting a day license, which is probably pretty rough doing that. But um, to then, you know, like, I can't take the credit for Carly. I don't know whether it's genetics or whether it's just she wants to be better than her brother and her dad. But um, yeah, just watching these girls getting around the track to becoming champions is just, yeah, incredible. Now, it is pretty awesome watching somebody go from like being young or a lower level and then just watching them progress and know that you've helped them along that way for sure. Yeah, and that's, that's something I love about calisthenics coaching as well. Um, everyone wants to win like that's great but um, some of the smaller things that mean just as much to me are like watching your students grow like I have had students um, that have gone from you know timid and shy and not that confident at being on stage whether in a team or by themselves to last year um, a couple of my girls in their solos were running firsts and seconds all season. Like it just makes you feel good that you can help someone become better. I think, yep. does that make sense? Oh, yeah. 100%. You're improving somebody else's life. That's what we're here for. Not here to be all selfish. Mm. You're here to actually help other people and grow. I was about to say grow as a team, but just, just grow really. I don't know how you want to yeah. put it, but yeah, we're here to help each other improve ourselves and become the best version of ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Hey, while you're doing these long four-hour trips and stuff, are you listening just to music or are you listening to podcasts? What are you listening to? Well, actually, I quite like to listen to podcasts. Oh, that's um, fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and to be truthful, yours has been on the playlist for a little while now. Um, I, yeah, I, music's good, but I am more of a podcast person. Um, I love I love listening to chats like this and just hearing about different people, different backgrounds, different lives, you know, different goals and stuff like that. But I'm also a sucker for true crime. So, yeah. I think everybody is. I've heard that so much. <laughs> Everyone's like, oh, my favourite po- podcast is like Australian true, true crimes and all this type of stuff. It's quite funny yeah. how our minds go there. We want to find out what makes these people tick? Why, why are they doing all this? crazy stuff because it makes no sense really to a normal person like you or me while you're yeah absolutely absolutely although i probably shouldn't i probably should make sure they're not on the playlist when i'm coming home on a tuesday night and you know i'm rocking back into toowoomba at pushing 12 o'clock um which is what happened last night i was listening to your pastor one and then true crime came on and it's dark and I'm on my own on these roads <laughs> and, cars and I'm just like, oh, I might just change this to like Spice Girls or something now. <laughs> totally distract me. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the engine warning light comes, comes on. You're like, I'm not pulling over. Just drive through it. <laughs> <laughs> I will drive until this thing blows up. <laughs> gotcha. Hey, we're about to run out of time. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
and this was probably part of my nomination for the Queen's Baton Relay as well was, um, oh, and I was a This Girl Can ambassador as well um, for my motorsport and calisthenics contribution, but also for this take home message is that long before I became a mum, I was Stacey Painter. And uh, often when we become mums, we forget that we were Stacey Painter or we were, you know, whoever we were, we just become mum and um, our mental health can suffer, uh, our physical health can suffer because of that. Uh, and it took me a very, very long time to remember that I'm not just mum, I am still Stacey Painter and Stacey Painter likes to race cars and go fast and ride her motorbike and do calisthenics and go to the gym and that sounds like I do a lot of stuff now. I actually don't do all that much. But <laughs> um, I think, yeah, the important thing to remember is that, yeah, before you were a mum, you were yourself. So when I'm a better me and I'm participating in my hobbies and, um, you know, like that sort of thing, I'm a better mum. Like everyone talks about, well, a lot of females talk about self-care. And to me, self-care is not, massages and nails and hair done and all that kind of stuff which that's that's cool if that's what you're into but self-care for me is dancing and going fast whether it's on my motorbike or um, racing or whatever Um, and when I'm feeling good from that self-care then I am definitely a 110% better mum and then my whole household's happier because I've looked after me and I know I know that sounds like a really simple message um, but the mum guilt gets you you've just got to you've got to blow that away and just have a go just find one thing to do for yourself even if it's just going for a walk or um things like that and I know being a FIFO wife can make those sorts of things hard um obviously my children go to care a little bit now that I'm in uni um when their dad is at work um but even just when they're having a nap and like they say sleep when the baby sleeps Obviously, none of us do that. But I try, if I can get both my kids to have an afternoon nap, I do not do any dishes that are on the sink. I do not fold my washing. I do not vacuum floors. I sit down and I do whatever the heck I want. I will put on a trashy TV show or I will make myself a cuppa and sit out the back in the sun because I can do all those other jobs when my kids are awake. I just want that half an hour or hour or whatever to do me things, not things for my family that was awesome i think you hit it the nail on the head right there because yeah that's probably like a big one about the whole postnatal depression while the women go through that because they stop doing the things they stop being the stacy painter or whoever they were before they had kids they're starting to become mum and last monotonous last you're basically a slave to your child so yeah you can definitely <laughs> become depressed and basically yeah go through that postnatal depression rut top thing so that's really good that you said that thanks for saying that yeah it's just once you get past that mum guilt like life is so much happier and like I've been there I've had fairly severe postnatal depression um with my first two yeah um but I think yeah that's that's when it really like sunk in that I have to be me before I can be mum. So, yeah. When you went through that postnatal depression, did you go see a doctor or whatever? Did you get like prescribed pills and then you had to realise that the 
drugs aren't the way to go it's mindset or what happened there yeah I'm I did I obviously went and saw a doctor and I saw a psychologist and stuff like that mine was a bit situational as well as um, heading into that post postpartum um, time of my life um I did get prescribed medication. I didn't take it for all that long because um, I read further into the side effects of the particular uh, medication that I was prescribed and I didn't, I didn't like the idea, even though it was a small percentage. Um, and I looked into other avenues of how to, how to change my headspace. And that doesn't mean I'm against medication. If I had been prescribed something that I started taking and I felt was working for me, then I'm all for it. Um, look, you probably could have given me Panadol and told me it was going to make me happier and I probably would have believed you if I didn't know that it was Panadol. Like, um, it's whatever you can believe will work for you. Yeah. Um, some people medication works for, some people it doesn't work for. Um, some people trying to change your mindset and journaling and trying to think about what you're grateful for and stuff, that works for some people. And for some people, they then become feel like... At one point, I felt guilty because I couldn't think of anything I was grateful for. That's how low I was. Um, and so then that made me worse trying to think about good things. Like, you know, it's different different um, methods, different types of treatment, I think, help for different people. But, yeah, it's it's a tough topic, I think, because everyone reacts to different things differently, I suppose. No, that's totally true. I don't really have to add to that because you just nailed it. Hey, we're going to wrap that, wrap this up. Just want to say thank you for coming on the show. Did you have fun? Yeah, absolutely loved it. I am so grateful to have had this experience with you and to, to chat about how cool it is to still be me and not just, not just mum. And that, yeah, there are, there are options out there. If you do want to um, get into motorsport, just check out motorsport Australia and look up your local, um, Pick up your local clubs. There's a list on there. And calisthenics as well. Um, I cannot stress enough how amazing calisthenics has been in my life. Um, so check out, yeah, Google Calisthenics Australia and that'll point you to your local, well, your state body and then that'll point you to your local clubs if there's any near you. No, awesome. All right. Well, that's a wrap. I'd like to thank Stacey again for coming on the show and I'd like to thank you, the listener, for listening. Please tell a friend about the podcast and have a fantastic day. All right. Bye.